race clock. I declare bankruptcy. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Depression. Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Twenty wigger and slut. Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. You're listening to Great Scott, The Office Podcast. My name is Jay Ray, and with me is my ever-coughing decimate, Jacob. Hey, guys. What's up? It's uh, It's been up and down here in, in PA, so like it'll be 61 day and 20 the next, and it's just wreaking havoc on my, on my <laughs> system. No, it's true. All the cats and the dog are all sneezing in my apartment um, here in northern New Jersey. But you guys have been getting the snow a little bit more. We tend to get like the wind because we're by the ocean. Yeah, luck- luckily not a lot of snow. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> before we get started, let's get all the crap out of the way. Um, visit us at Broken Jars at XYZ on the internet. Uh, if you would like to be our uh, patron, visit us at patreon.com forward slash broken jars. Uh, we have all sorts of reward tiers. You can come chat with us on Discord. Uh, you know, I'm there pretty much every day. So um, let's see. Uh, there is a Twitter, I think, but we never use it, so don't bother. You can find me at, at Jacob Ingles on Twitter. Uh, yeah, check out the other shows, the Dresden Files podcast, High Fantasy, which is a writing podcast, J-Race podcast, which I don't know if you're still doing. We're, we're working on retooling it. Okay. Um, I feel like there's another one, but I've kind of lost it. Yeah. Ever-expanding network of amazing shows. That's right. And a big shout out to our man, Greg. He emailed us this week. Uh, he sounds like a super, super fan. Been to like Scranton and Scranton for like uh, office cons and stuff. Yeah. So big shout out to him. Thanks for listening. I'm trying to think if there's anything that's worth uh, mentioning here. Talked about some cool stuff about how uh, the producers of the show will contact like the Wilkes-Barre surrounding area chamber of commerce to get like stuff to stick around their mm-hmm. set. Obviously they shoot in LA. We all know that, but some of the exteriors are done in uh, Scranton. Everybody knows that John Krasinski shot the intro of the office bit, but he mm-hmm. shared that too, in case you didn't know. So I not to minimize his contributions. I'm sorry. Great. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And then he went to those office, <laughs> which is crazy. I mean, I can't think of another show that has a convention at the place it's based out of. You well, know? so many shows are in Chicago, in New York, in whatever, you know. Yeah. Actually, they're all pretty much in Chicago or L.A. at this point. But Yeah, so I guess they have one like in this. Really, it's a random town in Pennsylvania. Right. And, you know, from everything we've talked about, they actually tried really hard to keep it at, like, make the show feel like it was there. It wasn't just there. It was actually, they made it feel like it was actually. Right, right. But yeah, so uh, if you've got stuff to contribute or whatever, send them in to uh, brokenjarsbroadcasting at gmail.com and we, we read it. Everybody reads it. The whole, the whole network reads it. People from Dresden Files read it and they're like, what the hell is it under... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, please excuse any coughing you hear today i will do my best to keep everything muted but you know it is early spring so it's the time of year to get sick my uh my girlfriend is catching up she had taken a break from our show which is fair because i talked to her every day so she spent her commuting hours listening to me too but i guess there was an episode a couple weeks back where i was sick 
and I was trying to mute my mic every time I blew my nose. And apparently one time I, my, you know, my syncopation was off. So I actually unmuted my mic and then did a big old one into the, yeah, mic. yeah, you did. Yep. So, this is why you gotta listen to the show, man. You gotta listen to the tape. I know. I know. Well, at some point, what am I going to do? You know, it's like, I've already blown my nose <laughs> and if I'm listening to it, it's already live. So, right. Right. So anyway, we are getting into sort of, well, we're, we're, I think this is the we're 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 capping off the first third of the season. This yeah. is where we're gonna be hitting episode seven, eight of season seven, starting with Christening, written by Justin Spitzer and directed by Gene Holland. <laughs> so we uh we start off with Pam doing her office administrator thing by trying to teach office hygiene. Right. Which this happens every year at every workplace. There's some kind of email or video or whatever about the proper ways to cough and right. wash. It's essentially wash your hands a lot. Yeah. Uh, but this culminates in Dwight accusing this program kind of to weaken humanity's ability to deal with diseases. And that instead of using hand sanitizer, we should actually be exposing ourselves to small doses of diseases so our antibodies can eat. Right. And there, I mean, there's some science in that, you know, if the more you expose yourself to, the more you have a chance to fight off. But the more, like, the more fights you pick, the more, the higher probability that you'll lose one of them, I guess. Yeah. And I, and I guess for reference, well, I move this whole table. Okay. Um, Dwight's solution is a bowl of dirt and vomit and feces, fecal matter. Sorry, not specifically feces, Which, just matter of the fecal. Uh, right, which uh, which um, I think it was Michael had a very negative reaction towards the feces. Yeah, but that was that was the part that uh, they got Michael. Yeah. Uh, so Jim starts to sneeze on Dwight because that's what he wants, and the whole office really kind of joins in. Um, and he, he had, just goes with it. Yeah, like yeah. like I, people like spit in his sandwich and all this stuff, and he's like. Like, he doesn't look happy about it, but he's doing it. Yeah. Well, it's funny, too, because I feel like we know Jim has paid everybody in the office five bucks to call him the wrong name before, right? Right. This feels like everybody's volunteering to do it, which would feels indicative to me of maybe them kind of being mad at him. I just thought it was like, well, maybe. And I feel like, because I, I bring that up, because I feel like Dwight wouldn't catch that part of it. I think he thinks that they're just doing him this quote unquote favor. Right. Uh, because he's like so far up his own butt in regards to, you know, being a survivor. He's not realizing that this all may be a slight against him. Yeah, I, I can see what, where you're going with that. Uh, but I mean, Dwight being Dwight, even if you don't have a problem with him, you're going to take your opportunity to, to get back at him, you know, because you know he's. He's done something to piss you off, you know? Yeah, right, right, yeah. So he, he's just, he sort of just accrued all these negative credits in his banking, in his goodwill account at, you know, Scranton National Feelings right. Bank. Yeah. Um, so the crux of our episode is that it is CeCe's christening. Right. I don't, I don't remember being christened. I don't know if I ever was. Um, judging by the fact that oftentimes I'll walk past a cross and it'll start to spark in flame. I may not be on the right side <laughs> of that whole thing, um, so, but it's awkward. And before we jump into the thing, I'll just say right off the bat, it's just weird that so many people are in that church. 
I feel like the ones I've attended where I wasn't being christened because I was an adult man um, were like for the family. But as we get through this episode, we find out that there's actually a quite a, a pretty large group. There's the kids. There seem to be regular Sunday churchgoers. And then there's this well, christening crew. Normally, christenings will happen during uh, a service of some kind. Really? Yeah. Okay. You know, same with like a lot of baptisms are that way where they they happen beginning, ending of the service kind of thing. It's it's in the flex spot. Like if you were to look at like church service, uh, you know, diagram, you got like your introductions, your music, and then there's this flex spot that you can like rotate stuff in and out of and you have the message and then like the ending music. Okay. All right. All right. Little uh, Toby Jr. over there, but... Um... <laughs> Yeah, well, so, okay, well, then that makes sense then because really the, the hilarity of this episode is because of this Mod Podge of people who are attending today. Right, right, right. It, I don't know. It, it just felt a little weird that Jim and Pam were doing this. Like, I don't know if it was for Mima's or if it was just something their family does because they've never really been religious in the show, you right. know, and so it seemed odd to have one in the church. Yeah, because they always played up Angela's religiousness as like being crazy. Right. But you can be religious without being crazy religious, you know? I mean, there is that. There is not. (laughs) Um, No, it's true. Well, and I guess, too, what's interesting to me is like, follow me as we fall down the rabbit hole, Jake. Okay. And we'll keep it a short rabbit hole. Mm. But um, I feel like, generally speaking, comedy writers being comedians often kind of stray away from things of like religious nature. I feel like you're thinking LA, a lot of liberal people, progressive types or whatever, probably not super religious, you know, on the outset. Right. Right. Um, But so, so am I wrong in that assumption? And people are like, no, we should do it this way. Or are they writers doing something because like of where the show is located? I mean, that Pennsylvania thing. I mean, Catholic, and Anglic- Ang- Anglican is very uh, big, at least here in Pittsburgh. I don't know about the other side of the state, but I would assume that. And I think this has to be Anglican because of the female minister. Because um, I don't I don't know if Catholics are down with that yet. I don't think they've got there. Okay. Yeah. So. They're still rocking that AOL, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it just seemed out of place, especially... I know this is another one of those like Jacob's pet peeves with television shows because I grew up in a non, I grew up in a non-denominational church, right? More contemporary, that kind of stuff. And whenever you see that stuff on television, it's always the crazy people. Like for once, I just want to see like a normal church. <laughs> like, cause everyone's like Christianity equals Catholicism slash Anglicanism. And it's just like, it's just weird, like, gap in hollywood there well you know i feel like whenever though religion is brought up like it kind of takes you out of it not in terms of like it's immersion but in terms of like like am i supposed to be watching this because like right you're talking about the church being christianity but like i've been watching a lot of broad city lately and the two female uh characters there are jewish so they'll make a comment about like you know you're a good jewish girl but then like when something jewish happens it's like oh like we're doing this, like you're making me watch this right now. Um, yeah. So it is an interesting topic. It's funny. Someone pointed out, uh, uh, someone, so I haven't seen it yet and I've never read the book. 
past my school curriculum, but Wrinkle in Time just came out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to watch it. And someone said, hey, by the way, I know you've never seen it and you're going to watch it, but just a heads up, there's like a lot of Christian tones to it, which is funny because I feel like 20, 30 years ago, people would be like, oh, such and such movie is the devil. But like now we're warning people about religious stuff, you know, like we're kind of reversed on it now because people have such a, at least people on the, the coastal regions, right? The blue state media bubble areas are like, oh, religion, that's inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can see that. It's definitely happened more and more recently. Yeah. It just, it just seemed odd because it was, it just appeared, Yeah, you know, this, this church service just appeared. And it's obvious, I mean, I, I guess they do a good job of showing that, you know, it's obvious they don't go to this church, really. Right. Because, like, the minister, she calls them the Halberts. Halberts. Yeah. Or Halberts, some yeah. kind of fish, I don't know. Yeah. Tuna. Like, you know someone that writer's room is like, we got to make a fish joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so we'll go through, I mean, the ceremony itself is pretty tame, but... uh Everybody from the office is there, obviously, and Angel is being really nice to Cece. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. For babies, yeah. And Ryan is being like ultra douche about religion, like <sighs> smoking the opi- opiate of the masses That's and right. all right. that stuff. That reference at all. Um, Dwight is at the door giving out his business cards. <laughs> for all your printer and paper needs. Yeah, go so far as to him joining in like the community prayer moment where people like share whatever. And, prayer requests, yeah. Offers a 4% discount on anybody who buys a full price printer. I mean, come on. If you're going to offer a discount, offer a legit discount, Dwight. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, like five is better than four. Well, it, like, even though it's only 1%. Right. But like, it, it's one of those uh, like mental humps. Right. Right. Yeah, there's, a, there's entire college courses on pricing strategies. <laughs> yeah. So... There, there's there been uh, some trending conversations as of late, and it's always a frequent topic of conversation on the uh, subreddit for The Office. But this episode uh, is heavily featured in this theory of who is the Scranton Strangler. Now, we're going to see a little bit of it in the next episode, but um, Toby has a reaction to being at the church, and we know he has a history. Right, He was trying to be a, right. or a priest or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has trouble going in, and he ends up missing most of the service. I don't. I think he misses. He might not hire her at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, people. So people were trying to use this scene, you know, of him not being able to go in, and then eventually asking Lord Jesus, um, "Why are you so mean to me?" In this very Charlie Brown kind of way. Mm-hmm. And people have been saying that that is because he's guilty for strangling people. You know. Uh, but I think it's it's more so just like his past feelings of you know being a priest and then abandoning it. That well, I think we should wait to get to that scene until later when we okay. get get okay. through some of the episode because that's like I think it's a really important scene for Toby in general. Uh, so so Michael, yeah. being Michael, yeah. he uh, you know, he he goes up to Jim and Pam is like doing his you know whatever voice Godfather voice, uh, trying to sit down with them. And he's like, hey. You know, he's saying something about, you know, how he's the godfather. Right. And Pam is like, I love when you do this, but I need you to tell me you know (laughs) this. And, you know, so I assume they told him and he just didn't believe them. Like, oh, I see what you're saying. Um, 
I feel like it could be he's just assuming because I mean it's no surprise, but we know Michael has a way of inserting himself into things, right? Mm-hmm. So part of me wonders like he gets the invite, he's like, oh cool, like obviously I'm going to be the Godfather, as if it's going to be like a surprise thing, you know? <laughs> like they get up there, come on like, down, yeah, you're except- the Godfather. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if that's kind of where he came from. So he's like hinting that, yeah, I want to be my father. Maybe. Um, but there was, there was a throwaway line when everyone was showing up that they were surprised that so many people came. Right. So I wonder if it was an open invitation or Michael gave them some kind of like treat to go, kind of like in um, Niagara. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, that could be. It feels like there's a deleted scene that should, that, is out there that just explains all of this, but I, it just, it seems choppy. Yeah. I mean, especially because they make it a point in the next episode to like kind of give a reason as to why people might feel like they have to go to the viewing party. And here we're just at the church. Everybody's there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, yeah. So he's a little irritable and we find out that the godparents are actually two people that Pam met during like a mommy daughter class, something or other. <laughs> Like new friends, not some like, old friends. Yeah. Are godparents and stuff, is that something in your tradition of family that you do? Or, wow, what a weird way to ask that question, but I appreciate your tact. Um, brown people, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, well, my dad is Catholic and I do have godparents, but I never see them. So if I feel like if I was closer to my family, because I think generally the shtick is like, goodness gracious forbid if while I was under the care of my parents and they kind of, you know, got Bruce winded, uh, my, my godparents would kind of try to share responsibility. But I think also like my godparents are like separate. Mm. Like it's my dad's sister and my mom. So do you, would you you have like, Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So because like in Pam's situation, she picked this couple, you know? (laughs) Right. Um, And similarly, like I'm thinking about, my girlfriend's family and her uncle is her godfather, but her godmother is someone else. Boy, I hope she doesn't listen to this episode. Then. Well, just skip it. To I be fair, I wasn't trying to talk about your brownness. I was just I, like... No, I, know. I know. I just like pointing that out because <laughs> it's funny to me. No, I got you. Because that's just not something that like my family really does or did. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, because like I said, because my dad is Catholic, I feel like that's why we did it. But mm, Right. I mean, I know it's a big deal in the Catholic faith. Yeah or tradition, or however you want to say it. And I guess for personal reference, my animals have no godparents. <laughs> because, you know, we're not practicing. Yeah. Right. Well, we're, uh, like, the way it comes down in, like, my family is like, okay, we're writing the will. Are you okay if we put you down as their, like, guardians if, you know, something bad were to happen to us? Like, right. Sure. Yeah. There isn't, like, a formal ceremony. Because I know, like, the godfather godmother stuff like that's sort of more of a formal ceremony thing in in certain religious traditions yeah that's right <coughs> boy we are a bunch of old dudes making weird sounds here because our bodies are just not <laughs> i know correctly uh okay so so we find out also during that kind of community time period about this other group of people it's a bunch of youthful kids who are practicing the faith and such and they are taking a trip to mexico to build a school right um you know uh so that's all nice and everybody's like was a school or was a hospital the joke is that 
Andy thinks it's a hospital. Oh, uh, right, right, right. I knew it was one of the two. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then later on, too, even though now Andy should know, Michael doesn't know, and Andy doesn't help clarify either. <laughs> um, so there, there's a lot of excitement there, and uh, it's kind of like the beginning inklings in Mike where he's, like, seeing some, like, oh, this is a room of people who, like, like each other. Right, because there's this undercurrent that Michael's been pushing about how we need to do more stuff together outside the office. Right. That's kind of why, I mean, it it really picks up after he sees the youth group and everything. Yeah. But that's kind of why I wondered if he bribed them to come. The office folks. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, as as we get through the ceremony, there's a, an issue with uh, Cece where she poops or peeps herself or something. I guess it's a deuce because then when Jim goes to go change, she starts urinating all over her dress. Or something. I mean, or something. right. Who knows? It's, I, you never waste. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've got many, many younger brother and you never know what's coming or sometimes it's just like, yeah, it, yeah. it's just love, yeah. love eating and it's just not pretty. So, well, and that Jim happens. Has, yeah. And Jim has this great moment where he's like looking for this second outfit that they have, but <laughs> it's not there. And he finds like a shirt, a sports yeah, shirt. Yeah. So they go to like Philly, like Eagles or Sixers yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, so Pam's like, you said that the spare <laughs> outfit was in the car. And he's like, yes. I, I said that. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I feel like I do that all the time because like I feel confident that whoever is asking me did it already. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. <laughs> goes in his face uh-huh. so that's going um, the 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 priestess lady uh, <laughs> I'm super not religious I have no idea um, so she uh, yeah she's wrapping up and the whole thing has happened she falsely announces that everybody in attendance in church is invited to this Halbert post christening banquet so to speak um, which is really just like a table of some scones and I guess one jug of apple cider. Yeah, it seemed like they were going to do like a little small thing, which is like family. I don't even know if like the office people were supposed to know what's happening. Right. Yeah. I mean, I could understand why the office people would go. Right. I mean, that makes sense to me because they're friends ish. Right. Uh, but the other people, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I will say like, so it's a show about all these people and the hilarity is because of their interactions. So obviously they're all going to go, but I feel like realistically like Daryl, like Daryl's going to go to the christening. He's going to make the appearance at the post christening shindig and say, yo, what up? I don't got a Facebook. I'm out. <laughs> like that's what everybody would do. But yeah, they all stay. They all have their own awkward table in the back. Um, just kind of like Phyllis's wedding too, you know? Like well, and, all- but you also have that really odd dynamic when your boss is there, you know? Sure. Right. Even though you're not at work, you can you kind of still feel like there's that power structure there that isn't. Yeah. Well, and there's this great bit though where, I mean, I forget what Michael says, but he says something about like no food or something like that, and Kevin goes, "Honestly, Michael, sometimes." And like I don't know, it's like this really uncharacteristic Kevin moment where like mm-hmm. because he's not at work, he's looking down on Michael for being dumb about something. Though I'm pretty sure the joke was like a food thing, so that's why I kept it. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, there there was some of that um, in this episode. Uh, So we have this little side bit where uh, Pam or somebody, Pam or Jim says to the other something about Angela stealing their baby. 
because they know how much she loves baby. Right. And so she tries to bolt, uh, or she's leaving. She's leaving, and like Jim can't find Cece. He had left her with Meemaw, and then Grandma had her to change right. her. Yeah. And so she's like, "That woman stole my baby." Well, yeah, because one of the <laughs> random church parishioners shows up and is like, um, "A small blonde woman," but it's like three tall dudes talking. So like, right? Any shorter blonde? Well, lady and here. it's not like um, Helene is. I mean, she's a pretty petite woman but that's what i mean it's like short blonde is just a wide descriptor but i feel like having known angela it's going to be like in jim's brain that like she's the shortest blondest of right. them all right um yeah so she tries she, to bolt it but kevin almost tackles her um looking for the baby in the purse but we find scones thousands of scones thousands of scones and right in you know someone earlier sconesy uh sconesy cider yeah. was <laughs> complaining about not getting any scones. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right, because Pam went out to go get sandwiches because of mm. all the people or whatever. So in this mm. in this confrontation between Kevin and Angela, Pam drops all the sandwiches on the floor. And the, this is, the, okay, here's one of those small things that you know, definitely would not have happened at a church because all the old, old ladies at that church, they would have had, I mean, they would have had that stuff ready to go. To like whip up food for these people. But that is the one thing that churches are great about. They can cook and they can cook in a hurry. Churches? Yeah. I did not know that. Oh, yeah, dude. Go to like an old Catholic church, go to like spaghetti dinner, you'll come out weighing like 20 pounds, 20 pounds more. <laughs> like they'll yes. feed you till you, till you can't move anymore. But does the church cook? I thought that people brought that. Uh, well, a lot, a lot of churches actually have kitchen, like a full you know, commercial kitchen in the church for that kind of stuff. Weird. I don't like it. <laughs> but in this episode, in this episode, we do get one of the great Angela lines of the entire series where there, she's bitching about how much food there is. And Pam or Jim says something about, uh, they make a joke about feeding the 5,000 with the two loaves of bread and or five or two fish and five. Yeah. Whatever, whatever the ratio of bread to fish is. It's like, she's just like, it's real serious. Like, Jesus is not your caterer. And just like goes off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of good Angela moments because I feel like too, she hasn't been super religious, you know, like, right. uh, like since season three or so, like they kind of just made her a general stickler. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. the, you know, this is an episode where they kind of remind us that she's got these strong religious connections or whatever. Mm -hmm. Brian makes a comment about, uh, these this youth group of folks going about how um who is it uh, teachers something are hotter who's hotter teachers uh, teaching teaching for america girls are hotter but also way crazier or something like that yeah i mean i just feel like that time ryan spent in thailand and in between and all that stuff was just him being like that weird 27 to 30 year old dude like he was like matthew mcconaughey in dazed and confused you know right yeah <laughs> Big old weirdo creep. Oh, yeah. And it's, he's like, he's just so raggy on religion. And I'm glad at least they made him a, like, it, no one was taking him seriously. He's like, you're, you're being a douche, shut, shut up kind of thing, you know? Right. And that was nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Mike uh, is giving them all this kind of stern talking to about how the youth kids are having fun. Why aren't they having fun? And Daryl has this great line where he's all like, 
this is us going out. You want more of this? Because <laughs> they're just kind of sitting there irritable. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's exactly right. Because like you said, there, there's definitely an obligation where they're all out because of a boss. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mike tries to kind of chase that excited feeling and the kids start to leave. So he leaves his group and uh, waits in line where he can participate in giving high fives to all these kids going or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. this nice moment and we get that Michael beat, you know, where it's just too long now. Uh, yep. Mike, like he just goes, he just yep. gets on the bus and, and goes and yeah, the, the, it's actually like a really it's a good look at Michael, really, because he he's just looking for somewhere to belong. You know, well, he's lonely. Right. I mean, this is a hint, right? This is like the beginning of his like departure at the end of this season. Right, right. And, you know, we, we can kind of assume he hasn't been with anyone since Donna. So he's probably is probably one reason why he wants to do more with the people at the office, you know, because he's just by himself all the time. Right. Um so the office crew sees him kind of sticking his head out the window and they're all trying to rightfully so talk him out of it or whatever, mm-hmm. but it actually ends up making Andy feel like he can go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's this combination of like him also not feeling great about where he's at, but he, Aaron makes some comments that indicate to him that, well, if he does this it might gain him some points with Aaron. Uh, so he hops onto the bus too. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, but I think this also does kind of foreshadow the boat trip that he'd just be willing to like, Right, your boot, you know. Right, yeah. Um, and then they go. Everybody waves goodbye. They stopped trying to put reason in with them, and they go. And uh, yeah, and then as they're going, we find out like, okay, everybody's trying to sleep. They've got a two day plus drive ahead of mm. them to get to Mexico. Yeah, and, I mean, essentially, to the Mexican border is two thousand miles. Uh, yeah, that's a third of our country's length, right? Give or take. Oh, it's more than that. I mean, it's it's a long way. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, so they start having this time to reflect on what they're really doing, uh, eventually getting to the point where they freak out and demand that the bus driver pulls over to let them out. Apparently, the next stop wasn't going to be till Tennessee. Right. Which is a, a bit of ways. Mm-hmm. Closer than you think, but still quite a ways. Yeah. Uh. New York to LA is 2,700 miles, 2,800 miles. So, yeah. Um, I mean, and I put in here to Puebla, which is where, at least when I was that age, where all the mission trips were going was sort of the Puebla region of, uh, of Mexico. And that was like 26.5. So, you know, Scranton to Puebla is essentially New York to LA. I mean, it's a long way away. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we talked about Angela stealing the baby, but right, this is, I think, one of the only times that we see Jim's dad here. Right, you're right. And I don't remember, because, like, and you don't know who it is, because I don't recognize him. I've seen Niagara plenty of times where I'm just like, he's like, Dad, I can't find Cece. And, like, it's, it might be the only time we see him. Yeah, I mean, there might have been dad and mom stand ins for Jim at Niagara, and they're just not brought up because they don't have, like, a story bit to it. Um, but his folks aren't divorced because we know he makes that comment when Pam's dad decides to leave Helene. Um, right. Is either your parents or my parents. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. So Mike and Andy and another person get off the bus when they finally stop. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't uh, tell my parents. Yeah. 
Aaron comes to pick him up and she's sharing with the whole office crew as to see a movie after the fact. Um, you guys can't see it, but Jacob's doing a great example of the old vampire cape cough. Way to go, hygiene. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying, I'm trying to not spit everywhere. Yeah. But then, uh, yeah, Michael has kind of this stupid grin on his face where he's like excited to be what he calls back in America, even though he's 20 minutes away from the church. R- right. Well, yeah. it seemed to like maybe an hour. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the thing, though, because uh, what's her face? Aaron said people mostly left the church. Right. Indicating that maybe someone's still at the church, but maybe it's Toby and he's doing mm-hmm. whatever weird Jesus thing he does. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's 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 the long and short of it. What do you think, man? I was really ready to hate this episode. Um, it's not one of my favorites, but I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. When when you watch it in terms of like looking for like all the connections, there's a lot more there than I realized. Hmm. So I'm going to give it three out of five. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. It's a great line from anything it's in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, similarly, I didn't come in with a lot of expectations. You know, it's it's one of those episodes that I'll have in the background. But if I'm like actively watching The Office, maybe I'll skip it. And as I was watching it, I still felt the same way. But (laughs) talking it out with you definitely helps uh, to kind of point out some of the things that are important moving forward. So I'm going to give it a 2.7 out of 5 thousands of scones. Thousands of scones. (laughs) Yeah, I I think the thing with this episode, it's a a character development episode. It's not overly funny. Like, I don't know if I laughed really once, but yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Oh, and I don't have the name on here. But season seven, episode eight. The Viewing Party. Viewing Party, right. Written by John Vitti. I think it's actually supposed to be Vito or Voti. I don't know. And directed by Ken Whittingham. Ken Whittingham. So we are, we start off with everybody in the annex watching a TV that is showing that police are outside of the suspected Scranton Stranglers. Right. Like someone busts into the main office. Like, yes, yes, they've caught the Strangler. Yeah. Um, So to bring back up the, the theories here, Toby is not in the scene at all. And some other sleuths have pointed out that what appears to be the car in the car chase later on is the car that Toby's been seen driving, though they admit that Toby drives like three cars during the run of the show. So it's like, what does that mean? But anyways, that's another thing. I don't think so, Toby's a Scranton Strangler, but you know. so if he was a Scranton Strangler, he got on the jury. His uh, he got on the jury to convict somebody else, then feigned being guilty about it for two years, then goes to visit him. Yeah, I mean, they say it might be well because one, it, first of all, it can't be him, right? Because they're outside of the house and he gets caught during this car chase, right? But, um, yeah, they say after the conviction later on, he starts feeling guilty, saying they put away the wrong guy. A lot of people feel like that's because he knows he's the right guy. Because <laughs> he goes to strangling. Anyways. And what I love is, like, you hear the new, like, you know, the woman on the news, like, in, like, Michael's, like, copycatting her. Like, oh, there's a SWAT. There's a SWAT. Oh, they have him surrounded. Yeah. So eventually, we don't see how, but it ends up as a car chase. The car chase seems to be going down their street, and everybody runs to the conference room to see it, and Mike's the only one to see it. Mm-hmm. So he goes outside and puts some of the uh, gravel into a little jar, and then he fakes 
he pretends to have a conversation with his future grandson, uh, culminating in him offering this jar of dirt, saying, go and buy yourself a spaceship. Right. I mean, it would be an interesting, because I, I mean, I've never really given the screen strangler thing too much yeah. thoughts, but I mean, depending on how many people he killed, he would be near, I mean, we know it's like five or six people, if not more. He'd be kind of high on the pantheon of American serial killers. So, yeah, yeah. Well, and let me ask you this, and I don't expect <laughs> you to know the answer specifically. But to strangle, does that always end in death? Uh, I mean, what if he strangles and then leaves before he finishes the job? He's just like, I just want you to know that I could have done it. <laughs> Punk, I mean, you know? yeah, but we may. I mean, at least they make it seem like he's a serial killer. It does. Yeah, yeah. Well, it has to be like. Yeah, I mean, I guess they've done some pretty violent stuff on the show in terms of what they've talked about with, like, Dwight specifically cutting faces off of CPR dolls. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, but, I mean, yeah. this this show is quietly dark. Yeah. Well, because I guess I wonder, like, the Scranton Stabber, was that too dark? Like, the Strangler, for some reason, is funner? Because, like, who strangles anybody nowadays? I I don't know. I mean, it could have been one of those... so much, you know? Like, Strangler is just so yesterday. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could... If you really want a good show on serial killers, watch Mindhunter on Netflix. It is a fuck job, but oh man, it's good. Like, is that, is that a documentary show? Like it's it's uh, a docudrama. Docudrama. Mm-hmm. It's based on the team uh, from the FBI that create essentially created profiling. I see. It's really good, but it's really hard to watch at times. Like, but ten out of ten would recommend. There you go. Yeah, not to plug other podcasts, but my girlfriend's really big into My Favorite Murder, which is a show that's going around, and it's two comedian chicks talking about their favorite murders. I've never heard Yeah, yeah. Uh, They've been going for a while, and I've been listening to a lot of true crime podcasts myself. My wife would love that show. She's all in the serial killers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So murder's been a big thing in our household. Murder! (laughs) So let me see here. Okay. So the, the actual episode starts off with Aaron holding a very nicely decorated invitation, trying to talk to Michael. Right. Michael insists on doing the West Wing walk with me moment. Is is that what he's doing? Yeah. Is that the West Wing? I knew I yeah. recognized it from somewhere, but I couldn't place it. I'm yeah, not a I huge mean, West Wing guy. Like I have nothing against the show. I've just never really watched it. I've watched like half the season. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. It's it's older, but it's it kind of <laughs> style or whatever. There's no hallways. They're just walking around that bullpen like twice. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a Glee viewing party. Everybody in the office is invited. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. at Gabe's place, but um, right. So we get two episodes in a row that are essentially not at the office. I mean, there is some at the office, but once, well, so Michael, he's in the break room. Someone asked him about the party, right? And Kev, I think it was Kevin, says, "Well, you got to go to the boss's party, right?" And so this sets off this chain of events where Michael's really pissed at Gabe because he feels like Gabe, like somehow Gabe is trying to usurp or to put it in a Michaelism, usurp his power. Right. <laughs> so we're taking uh, applications for new podcast hosts. <laughs> yes, because I will be dead before the next. <laughs> Yeah, no. So Kevin makes this comment, and there's other people in the office. I think Daryl and Oscar are behind Michael as uh, Kevin and Mike have this conversation. So we get our close-ups or whatever 
Um, and then Michael turns around to ask the other two if they also think Gabe is their boss, but they've bolted. So it's just this awkward one-on-one and Kevin doesn't deal with pressure very well, but mm. it's weird. And I mean, I don't, I, we never feel like Gabe is the boss, right? So I'm trying to wonder how realistic would it be for anybody else in that office to put Gabe in a position well, of power. Well, he, he's got a direct line the CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one who moved Daryl's idea up. So he did something above Michael. And we've seen that at least with Daryl's idea from the Halloween episode. So maybe, I mean, maybe that's it. He does have, he's not the boss, but he's probably higher, higher rank than everybody but Michael. Yeah, well, it's this weird thing where I'm trying to think like like a CEO has an assistant, right? Right. And that assistant generally only has to respond to the CEO, right? But right. Take that and that's definitely what... Boss. Right, and that's definitely how... What was his title? Because, I mean, he comes off as an assistant to Joe, but he does have a title of Director of Emerging Regions, I think. Yeah, right. And, you know, so I can... I mean, I could see it. You know, he's the new corporate guy. Yeah. So, I mean, it would be an easy, if you were in that position, it'd be easy to go, oh, he's the new Jan or Ryan or, <laughs> and we actually get the the litany of Michael, like, boss murders, like, yeah. you know, Ryan, Charles, Jan went crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, as Michael accepts this invitation, though. Uh, he makes a comment that I wasn't really specifically going to address, but you have it in your notes, um, where Michael says his favorite character in Glee is the invalid. Yeah, I like. Is this, is there like a character in Glee known as the invalid? Because I've never seen. Sure, I've never a, seen an episode of Glee. I don't even know if I've seen fifteen minutes of Glee. That is totally fine. Uh, there is a character on that show um, who is in a wheelchair. Now, that character is played by the same actor who was the pizza delivery kid who gets kidnapped during launch party. Okay. So I don't know if they specifically point that character out because of his connection to the show. I, I can almost guarantee you they yeah. did. Yeah, well, okay. That, so that, yeah. That's sort of like a inside baseball meta joke right there. Right. Yeah. Cool. Um, but also how extremely inappropriate of Michael to refer to anybody that way. Well, and that's why I was asking the question was like, was Michael being inappropriate or right. was there someone in the show they actually call the invalid? Yeah, no, no, no. They, I don't think so. It's a Fox show. They might, but I don't think so. <laughs> so we get to Gabe's place and it's nice. Like he's got a double oven. Yep. Like backsplash, granite countertops, three big bedrooms. Like this guy's got to be making some bank doing what he's doing for Safer. I mean, if he's paying for it with money not credit or anything like that. Right. I mean, I just did a quick, a quick search of like screen area apartment complexes today. And like, that's at minimum 2000 a month where he's like, where he's staying. Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting, right? Cause that, right. That is probably that area. That much money will get you not that nice a place in my area because of the wonderful, wonderful New York city. <laughs> Everybody wants to be here. Um, yeah, no, it is a pretty nice place. He's got a lot of shit. He's got like uh, a lot of Japanese trinkets and stuff, vintage posters that have been like remounted on canvas or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I would imagine is a very acceptable, decent entertainment setup for the time. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like a pretty nice TV. Yeah. 
um, they got TiVo or something, whatever records. Mm, I mean, I mean, this is what 2010 when this when this came out. I've never owned a DVR in my life. Right, but um, so I, I guess I only say that because it's hard for me to pinpoint when that was. Right. I mean, by then, I mean, I would by 2008, some kind of DVR was pretty ubiquitous. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that I don't know if you had TiVo, TiVo, but something. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's nice. And the, the theme of the party, aside from watching Glee to make your own pizza, which to me instantly reminds me of this restaurant idea that Kramer had in Seinfeld where people would come and make their own pies. But the whole shtick of that episode is everybody else telling him no one wants to go to a restaurant to make their own food. Um, so Gabe is throwing a party where that's exactly the, the shtick, which I think is funny. There's, uh, there's kind of places like that, though. Like uh, Papa Murphy's, if you've ever been to there. I have not. So what they do is it's, um, it's essentially they do everything but bake it. So they, they, you know, they, they assemble the pizza, they do everything, they give you the baking instructions, you just grab it and take it home. Oh, I see. I see. So, and so, you know, they, they have all of the toppings and everything. Um, and it's at least the one or two times I've had, it's really cheap. Like you can get like a five. Yeah. Cause five top. Fuck it up, man. <laughs> yeah. You can get like a five topping, whatever for like five hopping large for like seven or eight bucks. Yeah. It's not bad. Uh, so, so there's a lot of things going on. Kelly has a love hate relationship with Glee and that's kind of prevalent throughout the whole episode during specific moments. Uh, Jim and Pam have brought Cece because they have to and Cece is reverse cycling. So staying awake all night, sleeping all day, causing Pam to have to be awake all night and then all day to go to work. Right. Um, Angela and Dwight are doing some uh, sex contract stuff. Mm-hmm. Andy is pining for Aaron. Like he does. As usual. Mm-hmm. Um, right, and Michael is having this weird power struggle with Gabe, who is unaware that there is any type of power struggle because Gabe is just being Gabe. Right. Yeah. There, there's a lot of different things going on in this episode, and so I, I think that's probably why it feels really fast because, like, all the storylines are—I mean—they're very separate. They really don't cross over at all, and they're all happening just like boom, 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 boom. So, like, Pam, Jim. Um, Dwight, that's like a two-minute arc. And there's all these like little itty-bitty arcs in this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Aaron says that the uh, the duo of Gabe and Michael is Gay Mike. Right. Um, and it would be a perfect combination, apparently. So, <laughs> Gay Mike, uh, yeah. we, we, we look forward to your email. I, we know you're out there. Yeah, that's like the third movie in the Magic Mike series. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dwight would watch a show called Thirst. Right. It, I would totally watch a show like producer Dwight True Thirst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like some sort sort of like fear factor like show that's just awful. Yeah. <laughs> um we get some sad insight into Michael who thinks this pizza thing is too fancy. He will just eat a bag of steamed microwavable vegetables, probably. We've all done it. We've all done it. I mean, I don't know if I would just make a bag of veggies and watch TV. I mean, chuck in some dino-shaped nugs or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. But we've all had those times where it's like, hmm, I'm feeling late. But this is like, for us, it's like I'm feeling really lazy for Michael. It's just like modus operandi, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so so he has uh, this really weird thing about 
how he says, um, he's like, if I ever start, he's talking to Pam, mm-hmm. if I ever start, start acting like that weenie Gabe, I have a loaded gun in my desk. Yeah. So do we actually think Michael has a loaded gun in his desk? Well, so this is one of the few episodes where Michael legitimately threatens someone's life. I feel like we talked about this a couple seasons ago. Right. He only does it a handful of times, but he does it here. And then he makes this weird gun desk comment. I feel like not. Because, because Pam asks him if, uh, ooh, J-Ray's froze. Hello, J-Ray. Hello. Maybe it's me. I don't know. Um, so anyway, uh, Michael has this, um, he says to Pam, I don't know where it is. I might have lost it. So sorry about that, everybody. My internet decided to die on me for fun, whatever. And not just me, like it down my podcast games. You can see I'm actually, well, if you're looking on the YouTube, I've got all these like rocks and shit beside me. But uh, yeah, no, housewives, that was fun. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's nuts. Um, yeah, I just don't think Michael actually has a gun because I don't know if you know how to get one. I don't think it's that hard. I think you just kind of walk in and fill out a form and I don't think he has any criminal records or anything like that. So he's probably fine. Yeah. I've got no idea what it is in PA. I mean, I know what it was in Texas and Oklahoma, but I have no idea what it is up here. But, uh, yeah. So no, I do think he'll kill Gabe. I don't think he'll do it with a gun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so as Andy's kind of peeping around Gabe's room, Ryan's kind of explaining his office. Oh, yeah, yeah, his office. Right. Because he's got so many freaking rooms in there. Right. He's got at least three full bedrooms. Yeah. And we see like these uh, vitality powders or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of them is supposed to be seahorse. Right. So I was curious, like you do. Yeah. uh, Powdered seahorse is cheaper than I expected it to be. Okay. So, uh, from Alibaba.com, uh, you could get it from between 11 and $55 a kilo. So that's about five and a half to $25 a pound. That's not bad. I have no idea what, uh, like, I, I, I couldn't find anything that said, like, yeah, you would have this really weird reaction to it. Like, so I, I don't know if what he was experiencing was that or, you know, because he gets all, like, he drinks. He dumps it in his wine and drinks it. I mean, he feels like super energetic and is super happy and hyper and all this other crap. And so you don't know if it's like him and just in his head or if he's drunk or what. But Well, you say here, Creed's Chinese skills were mentioned. Uh, and he reads the bottle, I guess, for Andy. Mm-hmm. And it says, do not mix the seahorse with alcohol. Right. Uh, which, yeah, is definitely going to factor in or whatever. All right, but if you so I pulled up some of the recommended dosages. So the amount of seahorse to be consumed depends on the condition being treated. The physical typical dose is between three and five grams mixed with boiling water and drunk as a something. If powdered seahorse is being used, smaller doses one to three grams are recommended. For impotence, some practitioners recommend a mixture of three grams of powdered seahorse taken three times per day with rice wine. Oh, okay. So that's but like three grams is not very much, and he put a fuck ton in there. Quite a lot, yeah. So, I mean, he might have put like fifteen grams in there, maybe. Right. Oh no, I'm not. I, I'm not good at eyeballing weights. <laughs> That's totally fair, especially in metric. <laughs> um, we're Americans, goddammit. it! <laughs> oh, give me pounds or nothing. Give, give me my freedom <laughs> units. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. 
yeah, so he's he's feeling terrible and uh, he's kind of just going around being this walking wounded zombie like individual for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, in the bedroom, you find out that Dwight has this kind of weird, uncanny ability to like calm Cece down, right? Because the youngest Shroot is the one who raises the children, apparently. Mm-hmm. So he's been raising children since he was a baby. That's right. Um, but he tries to leave Cece with the Halberts, uh, because he has a date with Angela. Date. Right. He's, and she's like, they're going to bang in a car. But yeah. Whatever. Like, where the fuck are they where she can just get naked in the car? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you just, if you don't have any inhibitions, then you'll just do it wherever. I won't. I have a lot of inhibitions, but someone with no inhibitions probably would. I mean, I can get the whole car sex thing, but most people wouldn't get like just stark naked for the car sex. I wonder if there's part of it like that. Like it's for him. Like he comes and she's naked and that's kind of like a nice visual or whatever. And that just kind of helps get things going. Maybe it was still, I mean, there's gotta be people around. Like if she's too close to a school, Yeah, if she's too close to school, she's about to become a sex offender. <laughs> there's, yeah, yeah. there's all sorts of bad things going on here. Well, and this just came to mind, but this is not the first time Angela has put herself in a scantily compromising position because during a, a Dwight's speech, right, she rents the hotel. She gets a key to his hotel room. Right, but that I mean that that makes a whole lot more sense. Because you're expecting the only person to be coming in there is the person you're waiting on. Yeah. I, See, I, I was, was thinking more be- uh, goodbye, Toby, when they were boning on the desk. Well, that too. Also, a place where it's like kind of public or whatever. But I guess that's my point. I think she's got some odd, uh, odd feelings about nudity because on one hand, she's got the strict Christian stuff going on. And the other hand, apparently she's a little freaky in bed. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It, it just seemed odd to me. I don't know why I caught it this time. I'm like, man, that's a really bad place to be naked. Yeah. Um, so, right. Dwight convinces Pam to become an approved mediator. Right. To kind of negotiate this evening's events with Angela and that goes and that's fine. And then Pam kind of, she kind of gets a sense that Angela's not just doing this for the sex contract and the baby making, but that there's mm. some genuine feelings on her part. Right. Because, like, Angela asks, like, how do he seem when he, you know, right. said it? There's, there's obviously more on Angela's side than just uh, the sex contract. Yeah, that's right. Which she abruptly ditches in the next episode when she meets the senator. Yeah. Um, so we're back out uh, in the kitchen, and Gabe is making some pigs in a blanket, but Michael accuses him of using the same dough that was from pizza. <laughs> so are these like pizza hot dogs or the pigs in a blanket? What's going on here? Um, and yeah, kind of like I, a wouldn't, last... I wouldn't use pizza dough for a pig in a blanket. No, I think it's too heavy, right? You want to use like a croissant type of thing. In general, right. Or, or a bit of a sweeter roll kind of dough yeah. than like pizza crust. Yeah. It also depends on the pizza crust. I mean, I'm thinking like, because I've had some pretty thin light pizza crusts in my day. So who's to say? Who's to say? <laughs> He said, write us, write in, please. Let us know. Uh, um, so, so Michael kind of has like this last straw, goes out and sabotages the whole party and eventually goes out to fix it again to become the hero. Right, he rips out the, the yeah. cable. Yeah. It must have been really well marked because he managed to pull out the right one. Yeah. Because he does like study it, but yeah, it must have been by apartment number or something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But uh, Aaron catches him as he tries to fix it. And yeah, they have this really weird interaction where Michael kind of finds out that Aaron has been looking up to him as a father figure. Right. And he was being kind of a dick. And as he gets to this realization, he starts to kind of embody that father Hmm. figure for her. Right. And, and, you know, you you think that would probably feel good because he's never had, he's never really had anyone look up to him, you know? So this is one of those times where he gets to be looked up to. Right. Yeah, it's... um. I will say it feels weird to me. I suppose generally it's not bad because we got to get the sense that she admires him from secretary day. Right. But I just don't know where it comes from. Well, like maybe she's got these issues, but it's never clear to me why she picks Michael to be that figure. Well, you get a, you get a different sense of it um, in the manager and the salesman episode, like where, there is a connection bond there because she is in, she is involved with Michael a lot, but you know, um, she brings in back all of his toys and the bossa nova and the, the foot piano. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, he helps, she helps him get ready for when Holly comes back and the whole AJ thing. And, you know, with the two bottles of, Johnny Walker Black and all that stuff. So well, and similarly, she doesn't understand the Holly thing, which we'll get to too. But mm-hmm. so it's like, to me, it's like I don't get this father thing, and then she's like, I don't get this Holly. Thing. It's mm-hmm. like, the Holly thing makes sense to me, Aaron. You're the weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still get razzed about like so like I'm I met my cousin and his future wife. This was a long time ago, like ten plus years ago. I met him once, or well, I met her once before they got married. And like my my aunt, she's like, so what do you think of her? And I was like, I just don't see it. Like she still gives me shit. Like, like I have nothing against the woman. She seemed nice. It's, it was one evening, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but I just realized we skipped a scene that we need to talk about for my reference to make sense. Uh-huh. But there, but the, through the entire night, there's this weird power struggle between well between Mike and Gabe. Mostly on Michael's part. Right. And so, but at the end, he's like, Michael just takes back that control. He's like, if you hurt her, I will kill you. Yeah. But then he goes, and not really, but really, I'll kill you and your entire family. Yeah. He's like, not really. And then he ups the end. He's like, no, I will fucking murder (laughs) your family. Your children's children will be dead. (laughs) Um, yeah, and then uh, Andy reveals to Aaron that he accidentally downed a bunch of seahorse, and she's kind of sympathetic to it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Earth rise on the moon. Right. So, yeah, he gets sick from the seahorse and probably drinking too much. We see Andy, like, vomit on, like, I'm guessing the guest bed, just, like, cover it with a pillow. With another pillow. It's disgusting, yeah. <laughs> Terrible. This is why I don't have parts. Yeah. <laughs> In a nutshell. Like, I'll have some, like, three or four friends over, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a funny internet meme going around where it says, thanks for letting me host this. And then there's a banner of letters that says, leave by nine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So uh, what do you think, man? See, this was a little bit of the flip of of the last episode where coming into it, I was more excited for it because I do like this episode, but watching it this time, you know, it was okay. Yeah. So uh, I gave it a 2.75 out of 5 bigger dressing rooms than the puppets. 
And that's a very meta reference from something Michael said in in the episode. Yeah, I uh, similarly looking forward to this episode, and dissimilarly, I really did enjoy it. I really like those short bits with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I like all the moments that because uh, everybody in the office is funny, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just nice when they can fit all that into one episode. So kind right. of everybody like losing their cool in their own way. Like Jim changes the channel. Um, and Oscar losing it and yeah. Kelly being, I mean, this is like so quintessential Kelly. I, I, yeah. I mean, I do like it. And so here's a good, I was going to give it a, like in my head, I was like, okay, it's probably going to be a three. Yeah. And I ended up at 2.75. So, I mean, uh, my, yeah, you're, you're not off. Yeah. Uh, so I give it a 3.2 <laughs> out of five soundscapes. <laughs> A single moment, something, something. I don't remember. Yeah, it's like a single moment in a song stretched out for an eternity or something like that. (laughs) Sounds like the worst thing. Yeah. What it reminded me of is like Ross's music in Friends. Because he had like the little keyboard Uh, with the microphone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like what some dude would set up by the side of a subway or whatever. Just like feeling it, man. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so there you go. Those were our episodes for this week. Yep. Um, next week we've got wolf.com mm-hmm. and uh, China. Oh, China. Yeah. So that's a good episode, I think. We'll see. Ratings pending. <laughs> but I recall being a good episode. Yes, yes. I remember liking both these. And Wolf is big because we meet the senator. It's first sighting of Robert Lipton. So. Yeah, and that's a pretty big storyline for a stretch. For a stretch, it pretty much blasting the rest of the series. Well, you know, stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Just two seasons. No that's big it. deal. That's it. That's it. Well, I mean, we're already seven seasons in, you know, so it's like... <laughs> In the grand scheme. So uh, that's going to do it. As always, visit patreon.com slash broken jars. All the Twitter stuff that we said at the top of the show you should have been listening to already. Uh, I'm on Twitter, J-A-Y underscore R-E-Y, where I tweet in the mornings and on the weekends. That is it. Uh, Jacob is at Jacob Ingalls. Yep. Visit broken jars XYZ. Leave us a rating. Send us an email. Shoot up a flare gun. Smoke signals. Carrier pigeon. Whatever. We want to hear from you. We'll talk about you. You'll become super famous. Probably find the love of your life. That kind of thing. It's what we do. <laughs> we are connection makers. We can make it happen, y'all. Yeah, no doubt. That's a promise. We That's our guarantee. We guarantee it. <laughs> Just say you guarantee it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's going to do it. So we'll see you guys in two weeks. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Bye. Later, guys.